You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hey everyone, this is Kristen Powers with Pets Rock at Pet Life Radio. I hope you're having a super day because today we have an awesome interview with Alexis Ulrich. She was the 2010 Humane Teen of the Year by the Humane Society of the United States. So everyone, please welcome Alexis to the show. Hey Alexis, how are you doing? Hi, I'm good. Cool. Um, so you're on the show today because you got this really prestigious honor of being named the 2010 Humane Teen of the Year. What work did you do to win this award? Well, I've been advocating for animals since about middle school, and I've been working mainly on the Canadian seal hunt because that is what I learned about first. Um, But I've also been advocating for um, animals that are stuck in puppy mills. I've been trying to get animals in shelters, out to families, Um, and I've worked with a bunch of different issues. But I am mainly involved with the Canadian seal hunt. Cool. So what does that entail usually when you're working with these issues? Well, with the Canadian seal hunt specifically, I've been doing a lot of promoting and a lot of education about the hunt to my friends, my family, classmates, um, and just letting them know pretty much what is going on. And that way um, they can make their own decision about what, if, what exactly they want to do about it. And so there's a lot you can do about it, banning Canadian seafood, sending letters to the prime ministers, things like that. So I've been working on that a lot. Um, With the other cases, it's pretty much just about education to family, friends, classmates. Um, And that's what I'm really have been working on since I was in middle school is just to let everybody know about the issues. Cool. So how did you get started with these issues? Like what kind of ignited the flame that led to all this? Um, Well, I actually received an email from the Humane Society when I was young, and they were um, informing me about the Canadian seal hunt. And I honestly thought it was a joke or some sort of exaggeration to get money from me. And I just did some research and saw that it's actually what's going on. And there was a lot of sources that confirmed that it was happening. So that kind of sparked me to go onto the Humane Society website and just kind of look at all the issues that were happening. And once I realized that this was actually happening, it uh, really motivated me to get involved with animals. Cool. So would you say that the seal hunt is definitely the issue that's closest to your heart? Yeah, it definitely is. I have pets of my own, and I understand dog fighting and animals in shelters and things like that. But for some reason, with the Canadian seal hunt being the first thing I learned about and the thing that I've been working the hardest for, it is definitely one that's closest to my heart. And what exactly is the Canadian seal hunt for our listeners that aren't quite sure they know what that means? Um, The Canadian seal hunt is an annual hunt that takes place in Newfoundland, Canada. And it um, is basically the slaughter of baby seal pups. And what they do is the fishermen who are catching all of the fish that they send out to um, America and Europe, they are on their off time going out to the ice flows and killing the baby seals for their fur. And then they're sending this fur to um, fashion designers in Europe. And I think it's more specifically Norway and Japan. So that's basically the gist of what the Canadian seal hunt is. So what can people do to help combat that? 
Um, one of the major things that they can do is to stop buying Canadian seafood because the fishermen who are also killing the baby seal pups make most of their money from the seafood that they sell to people. It's really good if we cut them off financially by stopping buying their uh, seafood. Yeah, it's also um, good to write to the government of Canada and just keep letting them know that this is not a good practice, that people in Canada don't even agree with it, and that it's really not even benefiting their economy or the economy and financial situation of the fishermen. Right. So, like, how can people find out whether something is Canadian seafood? In the grocery stores, every grocery store is required to know where they got it from. I'm not sure if they all do, but they're required to. And then when I go out to dinner, I usually ask the waiter or the chef where they buy their seafood. They'll usually give me some sort of company, and that's when I check online to see where that company buys its seafood from. There's also a really long list on the Humane Society that breaks down what restaurants have pledged to boycott Canadian seafood in each state. And you can just go on there and click on whatever state you're in to find that out. So um, my other question is, where did your connection with animals begin? Like, what is your idea of where you know you started to feel so passionate about animals? Um, well, I've had animals ever since I was born. My parents had cats, and I grew up with cats, and then we had dogs. And I don't, I never really felt a special connection with them at that time. I mean, I, I felt like I was more sympathetic towards them than my friends. But I'm not sure when it started, but there was just something that made me feel like it's so hard to explain it but if it's me and a bunch of friends and there's a dog the dog seems to you know come to me know that I'm a good person I'm there to help I'm a loving animal um and I just I've always gotten along with other animals I've never been one of those little kids that picked on the animals or you know squashed the ants just for the fun of it um I was always just really friendly with them so I don't think there was a defining moment that made me realize that I was meant to be with animals, but I think it was just kind of my entire life I've been with them, so. Yeah, that's cool. That seems to be like a really like repeating theme whenever I talk to people who are involved with animals. Like they always seem to have this lifelong connection, whether it be like obvious or like kind of indirect. Like I think most people have to have that to really be passionate towards their, their cause. So my other question, I think I read in your bio on your Humane Teen website that you go to University of Colorado. Mm-hmm. So how do you incorporate your love of animals into your school college life? I do. I actually started a campus organization called the Auraria Students for Humane Treatment of Animals. I started this in February, and um, ever since then, I've been working really hard to try to get members and to try to promote many of these issues. We're currently, um, I've currently been setting up a bunch of different workshops throughout October and November that deal with education on animal cruelty. So we've got some about animal fighting, some about factory farming, puppy mills, wildlife abuse, marine animal abuse. So that's our main project this semester. So I've been really working on just trying to educate a lot of my classmates. I've, When I get to choose a paper topic or a speech topic, it's usually about an animal rights issue. And I've also been um, working with a teacher on campus to try to set up an animal rights class that people can take. So 
So um, I have a question for you, kind of from based on from personal experience. I do a lot of work where, you know, I try to get people to do, like, buying local food. And I was just wondering, like, what usually you get for your response when you encourage people to buy food that was humane or, like, maybe that doesn't support inhumane practices like the seal hunt. Do you often find, like, people are generally supportive or do you, like, do you have naysayers? And, like, how do you handle those cases? Um, generally, with the seal hunt, I get most people who are surprised that something like that even goes on. And most of them will be interested and want to learn more about how they can boycott that food. I have also been working with a few vegan groups that have come onto our campus. And I know that that has been a pretty big challenge to get people to get interested in going vegan or vegetarian. I've gotten a few people who take a look at the literature and see that it's actually pretty disgusting what's going on and that they would be really interested in going vegan, but they're just too afraid that it's going to be really hard, that they're going to have to change their lifestyle. So we have a lot of um, vegan literature on, you know, how to go vegan and the small steps to take. So I, I normally get kind of a mixed reaction, especially with the vegan pamphlets. And it's just people, you know, saying, oh, I really like meat. I couldn't give up meat. I can't change my lifestyle like that. So I think it's really important when I'm advocating for veganism that I just hand out those pamphlets that say, you know, take it small steps at a time, eliminate one thing at a time, things like that. Yeah, that's good advice. I know I'm a vegetarian as well. And when I first tried doing it, I tried to go cold turkey, which is kind of funny because I can't eat turkeys. But, um, and I found that that was very hard and I think definitely it is important to stress if you're looking to make that lifestyle change to take it one step at a time and not beat yourself up if you cave in every once in a while because everyone's human so yeah it's an adjustment yeah but like definitely now I've been vegetarian for like four years and it's just like every day it's I mean I don't even think twice about it anymore yeah like don't you like have to don't you miss it or don't you do something like yeah well when I I actually don't think about it ever really unless I'm at a restaurant where they don't have vegetarian options yeah yeah (laughs) which is very rare which is very nice I think in the past few years the vegetarian wave has kind of helped us in the restaurants and that we have finally have at least one option (laughs) (laughs) cool so we're gonna take a quick commercial break but when we come back we'll continue our interview with Alexis. Don't leave this party before it's over because the best is yet to come. Only losers leave the party early anyway. Party on. Back in a few. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Pet Life Radio, the number one pet radio network on the planet, joins forces with iHeartRadio to put the power of your pets in your pocket. Awesome. Download the iHeartRadio app and rock Pet Life Radio on your phone, on your tablet, on your Xbox, in your car. Pet talk, pet tunes, and fun pet times. Pet Life Radio and iHeartRadio. Positively possum. 
Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Hi, this is Rochelle Lefebvre from the Twilight franchise. You're listening to the amazing, unstoppable Kristen Powers on Pet Rock at Pet Life Radio. Back to the party. Let's go. With the hottest party in town. All right, hey everyone, this is Kristen Powers at Pets Rock. I just want to let you guys know that we're still doing our interview with Alexis Ulrich, the Humane Teen of the Year. How are you doing, Alexis? Good. Cool. So we have a few more questions for you, and these are just kind of all over the place types of questions, but I was reading your interview you did with the Humane Society based on your honor of being the Humane Teen of the Year, and I saw that you recently went to... Kenya to visit an elephant orphanage and I was I was really interested in that because I really want to meet an elephant or like see an elephant out in the wild <laughs> so I was wondering if you could tell me more about that. Um, sure Kenya was amazing um, I went there to visit a friend and while we were there she took us to um, first she took us to a giraffe conservation society or I can't remember the full name of it, but it was basically a big place where they saved the giraffes. And that was amazing because we got to feed them and um, I actually ended up kissing one of the giraffes. And so that was a lot of fun. And then um, towards the end of the trip, we went to the David Sheldrick Wildlife Foundation and that is an elephant and rhino orphanage. And what they do is that when an elephant has been killed in an illegal hunt or poaching, sometimes there's the baby with the mother and the baby does not understand that he needs to, you know, go off and find other food. He'll stay with his mother and not understand that she's dead. And this has caused a lot of babies to just sit down and die. And so what the David Sheldrick Wildlife Trust does is they go out and they find those babies and they rescue them. And then they bring them back to this um, this foundation and they pretty much raise them exactly like the mother would. So each elephant, he has a caretaker. And this one caretaker is responsible for feeding the elephant exactly like the mother would and teaching the elephant how to play and to put mud on its mud and water on its back. At night, he has to sleep with the elephant to make sure that he's warm, just like a mother would. And so they're teaching this elephant pretty much exactly what it would have learned in the wild. And so at age five, they release him back into the wild and hope that, you know, they have taught him enough to actually survive. And so they do this with, they have a lot of baby elephants and they're absolutely adorable. And I have tons of pictures from it. Mm-hmm. And they also do this with rhinos, although rhinos are going pretty extinct in Africa. So they only had one rhino there at the time. Oh, okay. That's very interesting. I don't know. That seems like you would have to have a lot of dedication to like raise an elephant like that. It's pretty hardcore, yeah. but it's so cool. <laughs> yeah, I think the employment is they're pretty their lives i mean they don't get to leave the area they don't they don't really have families so they have to stay with the elephant for its entire life and then i believe that they get a new elephant and pretty much do that for as long as they want so well it's pretty i mean it's such a good cause i mean at least you're spending your life making a difference yeah definitely really cool my next question for you is what is one of your favorite memories you have relating to animals oh there are so many (laughs) (laughs) um 
I really love going and visiting conservation areas like the giraffe place, like the elephant place, or I love Cheyenne Mountain Zoo, which is uh, another conservation society in Colorado Springs. And they, I just love it because you can get so close to the animals and it's not like a petting zoo type of thing. It just feels like you're a lot closer to the animals without them being in inhumane conditions. I loved seeing that. It made me really happy because then, you know, you go back and you see elephants in the circus and it just, it makes me sad to think about how happy they would be out in the safari like that. Yeah. So do you plan on making like a career out of animal welfare or animal rights? Um, Definitely. Yeah. I would like to work um, internationally and try to work in places like Africa where they don't have a set standard for humane treatment of animals. Um, And I remember being in Africa, the sense that I got was that house pets like dogs and cats, they're not as valued as a member of a family like they are today. So, you know, cats were wandering around, dogs were wandering around, um, dogs weren't allowed in the house. I We saw one cat that just came up to us in a restaurant begging for food. And so that really drove me to do something about places that have um, maybe not as great of an economy. And so they can't spend their money trying to take care of the animals. So I would definitely want to work with them and try to establish policies that would benefit the animals. That sounds like a very cool career. Um, (laughs) So my last question for you is if you have any advice for teenagers looking to make a change for another animal. I would say just get involved. Like, I don't, people don't know what's going on and people don't know how to get involved, but there are so many ways. And whether it's local shelters or even the Humane Society, they have so many ways that you can volunteer. And I just love the Humane Society because they give you so many ways you can help that you don't have to donate. And so for a college student or a high school student who doesn't have 50 to $100 to donate. It's really great because they, they give you petitions to sign or people to talk to or things that you can do other than donating money. So I'd say start there, start with the big organizations and see what they have that you can do other than donating. And then, you know, work, look at your local shelters, maybe find some animal organizations in your schools or your communities and just see what they're doing. There's so many in Colorado. And so if there's a lot in Colorado, there's got to be a lot elsewhere. So cool thanks for the advice so um everyone that was our wonderful interview with alexis ulrich the 2010 humane teen of the year thank you for providing us with such great insight alexis yeah thank you for having me all right so thank you everyone and thank you alexis again this is kristen powers with pet shock at pet life radio we'll see you next time let's talk pets every week on demand only on petliferadio.com